when you have been beaten into the ground and you've been given zero opportunities and you feel like shit in life, if you can untap it, there's a beast inside you that will come back so fucking hard and is able to withstand so much shit that half the people can't do. Yo, what's going on? You got the 7-2 Mindset Investor with another phenomenal guest. My team is bringing the fire. We actually had Ryan Holtz here. He's actually on Canada's, or could be North America's, one of the leading podcasts right now, top 100. He's had some, some phenomenal guests. He's had Tim Story, my coach. He's had Kevin O'Leary. He's had Seth Godin. We get really dialed in with respect to mindset, entrepreneurship. And ultimately, what helped me a lot is he comes from my hometown. So we were able to talk about the old days and really found out who really came from the hood. So with that, enjoy. What's up, man? How are you? <laughs> Fantastic, man. How are you? I'm excellent, man. Give you some background about my about this, how this podcast is. Um, the podcast, so I call myself the 7-2 Mindset Investor, okay? Yeah. Um, I'm a real estate investor, but I actually made a pivot a number of months ago calling myself a mindset investor. Mm. And the reason I did that is because... As there's a lot of things in my life that I realized I had to, I made a pivot, but it wasn't the real estate investing side that, that allowed me to change the trajectory of my life. It was mm -hmm. investing between my ears. Yeah. Um, so it, hence mindset investor, the seven, two is the worst possible hand in poker. <laughs> Draw a hand in so the poker. True. You're going to yeah. want to fold that hand, but in life you can't control the, 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 the cards you're dealt, but you can control how you play that hand. Yeah. So as I, through the evolution of this podcast, it's become more and more evident with the guests I've had that this is a hero's journey. Yeah. So when I, when I saw you and I'm like, I'm listening to you, I'm like, I need to get that dude on, on, on my show. So yeah, maybe you can give us some background about yourself and so forth. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the quick synopsis version is, um, you know, I grew up, uh, up until 13 single mom, my mom passed away at 13. It, it left me essentially with no parents. Um, that was very tough. But in the 13 years, people, because people always ask me the you know, same question. Hey, Ryan, when was such a pinnacle moment in your life? Well, when your parents pass away, that's a pinnacle moment. And at 13 years old where you're not developed, that's even more of a pinnacle moment. Sure. Um, but the first 13, you know, my mom spent just pouring into me. We would call those affirmations now. But, you know, Ryan, you're going to be great. Uh, you're going to do great things in life just constantly giving me love. We didn't have any money. I grew up very broke. Um, you know, just a classic case of rags to riches, so to speak. But um, what my mom invested in me was the best thing I think you invest in your kids is confidence, accountability, love, and just that constant, you know, just pushing of this is where you're going to go in life. And this is what I see. Um, but at 13, when that happened, it's so unexpected that it, it, I remember that moment and it just was like, Ryan, you're either going to just completely fail your whole life and go down such a bad path, or you're going to use this and go down the opposite path and just really make your life something special. Um, and then that takes me up until, you know, playing football and, and in high school and getting a scholarship and, you know, spending some time in Los Angeles playing ball and then, and then opening up my first business at 24. I talk about the story of, of cutting my own hair because I think Anybody who doesn't come from money that knows what that feels like and then is, a, is able to accrue wealth over the course of time, you know, at 13, I started cutting my own hair. I would take the 20 bucks I might spend and I would put it in this little jar I had, you know, 80 bucks a month, 12 months in a year. It's $1,000 a year. I bought my first real estate uh, investment flip at 18. I used the $5,000 that I saved. I was renting a place. 
Um, and I actually bought a different place that I said, what the heck? And not knowing much at all, man, I'm 18 years old, but I'm like, I got to change my life. I got to make some money and I can't work a job, 12, 11, $10 an hour. It's not going to do it for me. Um, and I just bought this shitty little apartment condo and I'm just like, what does it need though? Okay. Everything's working. Okay. Some flooring, some paint and just bootstrapped it. And I made the best return of my life and it really switched it. And I just thought, this is a lesson that's going to live with me forever of saving $20 every week for five years and then getting a check with, which for me coming from no money was like a million bucks, man. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and managing to do that. Uh, and then opening up my first business at 24, um, selling it at 27, you know, opening another business that I have now and then running one of the best podcasts out there, man. And my whole mandate is, creating safe spaces for unsafe conversations that's going to help people upgrade their life personally and professionally and doing it in a way um, that provokes people to either get really pissed off or take the, the, the information and, and, and get, and get to get to the action part of it, man. And, uh, and that's kind of the Coles notes. I'm a dad, uh, I'm a husband. So my family's first. And then after that, man, it's beast mode. Awesome, man. Thanks for, thanks a lot for sharing that. And I love this because, um, you say, you say it so elegantly. I'm very rough around the edges. Must be my clear view in me. Uh, <laughs> and I just say this is a this is a safe area. And I tell people that their vulnerability is their superpower. Mm. Uh, and you know what? For me, this is about being real. If you want to mm. be authentic, you have to be real. On this 100%. podcast, I, I, you can swear. You can tell me to <laughs> F off. You can just walk away. It doesn't matter. My yeah. big thing is someone's going to resonate with you. Yes. And that's all I want. Yes. Um, I mean, I've had people that had have asked to be on the podcast and I look at them like, no, this is too much. There's just too much flex. I'm yes. not looking for flex. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. And you, you bring up a statement of vulnerability, you know, people, there's a, there's a Lewis Howes, which I'm sure you've heard of. Yeah. He, 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 he wrote that book about, you know, talk, toxic masculinity. And I tell people all the time, I think more so from the male perspective for me, especially being a dad, I didn't have a dad growing up. Mm -hmm. But what that didn't make me go the, the route of, I got to be this tough guy. You know, I got to be, I can't show my emotion. I went the opposite way. I said, I'm going to be a fucking beast mm -hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to be a fucking beast aggressively and lovingly. Mm -hmm. And people say, Oh, I said, well, the smile disarms, but the heart conquers, mm -hmm. you know, because for me, vulnerability is true strength. And, you know, there's nothing more empowering to an individual when you walk out into the world and you say, this is me and I'm totally okay with it. And I love myself. And when I speak at conferences or I go out and I do my thing, I always say, I want 50% of the audience to absolutely hate my guts. And I want the other 50% to fucking love me. Because if I walk out that day and people don't remember me, this is, I failed. So I want yeah. people to either get really pissed off when they hear my name or that I want them to really love it because that's the only time you're really going to have that impact on somebody that you really want to have. So what you said there, I, I co-signed that, man. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, I think it was, uh, you were talking about Tim Story before. Tim Story was a guest, I believe, on Omar Elatar's Passionate Few podcast. Mm. And, you know, Tim said when he gets off stage, he'll never ask someone how, how he did. And his reason is, and I, this is one of my favorite quotations ever, and it's what has grounded me, is that, God's opinion of you makes man's opinion of you irrelevant. Mm, yes. Yeah, it's true. It is true. It is true. And, 
you know, you're, you know, you're, it depends on who you want to be in life. And it depends on the, the clarity. It's, it's interesting because people spend so much time asking of the, the opinions of others. And it's like, you need to, you need to only kind of care about the opinion that you have of yourself. Bingo. Uh, I think the fact of where you want to go in life and what you want to do is huge. Now we know if we're talking about entrepreneurship, I mean, you're doing what 99% of the world doesn't do. You are doing everything differently. Like I always, every time I talk to a business person, I'm like, we're kind of fucked up people, right? Like, we're kind of weird. Freaks. We're kind of weird. We're kind of weird, right? Like who, who wants to put all on the line and do all these things and just do things differently. And, and I'm talking about, you notice it the most when you're talking to friends, family, you know, Hey, what are you doing? You know, everybody cheers you on when shit's going good. <laughs> and then they're like, Hey man, go get a job when it's not, you know? And, and, and that's what you don't sign up for. You know, you're signing up to do something that's really different, but um, I think entrepreneurship is very lonely. It's very isolating, but I think you got to be very careful on whose opinions uh, you let come into your world. Yeah, for sure. One of my new favorite entrepreneur books is actually uh, the new one by Tim Grover winning. Mm, mm, and he's talking about that. Like, I love what he just, he goes right to it. And cause mm. he just says like, you know what, there's, for example, one side is balance versus mm -hmm. your drive to win. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to balance these two, but as soon as you take off some weight off, it's going to flip the other way. The pendulum is just going to completely flip and it's going to turn everything upside down. He talks about when he had to leave his daughter and the things his daughter would say, saying, Hey, if I don't eat, will you just stay home type of thing? Mm. And you know, and so the toxicity of the winning aspect, which is so important, but then he, he, he talks about friends versus allies. Mm. Friends will give you a participation ribbon just for showing up. Yeah. And allies going to call out your bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the pieces of advice I give people that are going this entrepreneurial journey is they have to go through a purge. Yeah. And it's okay. You just have to park people saying, Hey, this is not the value. I, you want to provide value, yeah, but at the yeah. same time, you have to be around like-minded people. Of course. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. It's yeah. a lonely journey. Yeah. But you know what? To add to your point there, I always say, take the five most craziest people in the world that you would just die to even be at their level because there's levels to the game, as you know. Even, sure. even those people will tell you, hey, I'm not even, I'm not at my full capacity and they're kicking your fucking ass all day long and they're still trying to come up. But you have to take, I always say, take three to five people that you're just like, I, I want that. Like, I want to, I want to get that. Uh, and go all in with just setting your level up. It's, it's hard. I'm a big visualizer. Like it's weird. Cause doing these, doing this podcast, and I'm sure you've uncovered this doing your podcast is I found out a lot about myself by talking to some amazing people. And, you know, when you get to talk to Tim story or, you know, Kevin O'Leary's or SWV's, or, you know, I've talked to so many different celebrities. Um, you just realize how human they are, but it's so humbling because you're, you know, you're talking to people that have literally reached in their full capacity in life and they're, they're, they're still going. Um, and I just always kind of say, how would it look like to be at that level? And then for me, you're right. I try to cultivate relationships with those people. I only want, I want to have the best in my circle. And by the best doesn't mean I'm calling up Tim Story or Kevin Leary, all these people saying, hey, can you help me out? I need some shit. I, you know, no, no, I don't, I never asked for anything. Don't do that. Just don't, don't do that. But 
it, it, it is supporting their content. It is supporting, sending a message, random message. Yo, hey, Tim, hope you're doing good, man. What's going on? I see you're traveling, safe travels. Like just inserting yourself into that world. And it's amazing what happens. Because I agree. It, because you know this. I had Tim, Tim was just on my show for the second time a couple of weeks back. And he said, Ryan, I, I, I've, I've learned a lot about myself in the last little while. And, you know, he was talking about the fact that, you know, we call this in the racial game code switching. You know, if you're a black person or a brown person, let's say you grow up a uh, majority around white people, mm -hmm. um, you you'll go with your, 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 your Indian buddies and be like, yo man, you know, let's get the crown Royal and water stereotypical. Yeah. And then you could go with another buddy who's maybe just clear white. And you see that, you see that difference in culture. You see that difference in man mannerisms. But Tim's story said, you know, for the longest time, I, I basically grew up in a Spanish home and my siblings would call me little Timmy and they would talk about, well, Tim, but you kind of look different than us because he looks like a black guy. Right. Um, and he said it was very revelation. It was like a revelation for me to, to really uncover that. Because for so many years, I'm known as the life coach. Sure. I'm known as one of the best life coaches ever. And I was going through a major kind of thing inside myself. But he said, I said, well, what do you need, Tim? And I, because I always ask my guests the same question at the end of the podcast. I always ask what I can do for them. And mm -hmm. some of the answers are, are really crazy. But I said, Tim, what do you, like, what do you need? And he says, I need love. Mm. I need, I need somebody to ask me how I'm doing and actually care and not ask me how I'm doing so that basically they can tell me how they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I, and I just, and this was only a few weeks ago and you know, Tim, obviously. So, you know, the level he's at and he, you know, and this is where the money and material and all that really means jack shit at the end of the day, because when somebody gives you the answer of, I just need love. Yeah. How many celebrity, how many rock stars have we seen that have taken their own life that had everything to the world and they just, they did, they still felt so empty. Love. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my true. tangent. <laughs> no, it, 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 it is so true, man. Absolutely. It's that, and that's what's missing, right? I mean, I think we all, we all forget it's this, the emotional intelligence of, of, of humans is just mm. seems to going out of the way and just checking in on people and so forth. Um, and, uh, and it's really powerful. Like, I mean, I hit, I, I hit rock bottom or I thought I hit rock bottom until a few weeks ago where I really hit that low point. And even talking to Tim and Tim said, if you didn't invest so much in your mindset, 99.9% mm. .9 of men would have put a shotgun in their mouth and pulled the trigger. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's tough. Right. Yep. So, but you have to build the foundation. And the most important thing about love is that you, how can you love anybody if you don't love yourself? <sighs> telling you you talked about curating the you know the the people in your life it, you know i got asked this question a, a while back and somebody was just shocked and i said i can't tell you one toxic person in my life right now i can't tell you one name they're gone yeah. like i'm brutal about about this because if you're in my circle i mean i don't i can count all my love my friends man on one 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 of these like true yeah. friends yeah. and you know it's uh, my, my wife is my best friend, my, and my co-CEO, my kids are my everything. And I have just a couple friends after that, a couple names after that. I'm like, you're truly a friend and not a friend, not a friend. That's uh, the yes friend. 
the one that's going to kick your ass friend that loves you, but is going to kick your ass. Yeah. I need, that's the, I don't need yes people. I want, yo man, what, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like what's going on here, man? Like mm-hmm. I, I want them to understand the cause of my life needs to always be getting better consistently over time. But I don't have any of that negative energy. And that's the number one thing I, 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 I see people struggle with that. I talk to like, First thing you, you out of the gate, you'll talk to them and, and ask them, hey, like, what, what's the problem? Well, you know, this person, this person, this person. I'm like, wow. Like almost all the time, it's somebody else in their life. Mom, sister, wife, you know, husband, who knows? But there's always somebody that's stopping that person with really, to, you know, to really unlock themselves. Mm-hmm. And I just don't I just don't subscribe to that. I sure. think your life is so important. Your time on this earth is so valuable. Um, you just cannot subscribe to that toxic crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I usually reference this book, another book, which is Victor, Dr. Victor Frankl's uh, mm. The Man's Search for Meaning, which is, you know, the power of choice. And it's mm-hmm. not the circumstance that defines us. It's, it's how we choose to respond to that circumstance. Yeah. And, and why that's so important is when people tell me they're in a rut and, you know, what's the, what's the number one thing you can do is you got to change your environment. And I'm not saying physically you got to move the city. It could be the stuff you're reading or not reading. It could be the music you're listening to. It could be the people you spend the most time with. Um, And, you know, there's that Persian proverb um, where if a plant's not growing, you don't change a plant. You have to take that plant and move its environment. Then it flourishes. If it doesn't, you got to move it again. That's how we have to be is because we need to flourish. Yes. Yeah, you got to pivot, man. I mean, you got to adapt. That's why why people who are reinventing themselves are – you know, the, the days of working the same job, 30, 40 years, you know, like your parents and stuff like, Hey, I was an engineer for 45 years, you know, and it was like a badge of honor, that consistency. Those days I think are over. People are starting to understand. I got friends that went to medical school 16 years to become a specialist. And they, they actually said, Ryan, I don't want to be a a brain surgeon. I don't want to be an ear, nose and throat special specialist. I don't want to be an ophthalmologist. You know what I want to do, Ryan? I always like to work with wood. So mm-hmm. why did you go to, why'd you go to university for 16 years? Yeah. Well, my, my dad, my parents, you know, you know, in ethnic communities, lawyer, doctor, <laughs> accountant, yeah. like you could own a fortune 500 company. Your mama says, Hey, I don't understand. Why didn't she become a doctor? You're like, mom, I own a fortune 500 company. Like, are you proud of me? Well, no, you didn't become a doctor though. It's like, mom, I could buy the hospital. I could buy two hospitals. <laughs> Tim Grover says that in winning himself in one of the yeah. books, he talks about his parents still asking him, you know, you should have gotten, because his parents were both physicians, I believe they're both in health, in healthcare. And they, they asked yeah. him the same thing, right? Which is pretty, and that's just an <laughs> ethnic thing. And again, the ethnicity thing, I joke with a joke with a lot of people about this. And you'll know this from Mill Woods is everybody's an auntie. And if everybody's an auntie, it's, what does the auntie, what's, what's the auntie going to say? It's like, yeah. who gives a shit about the auntie? She oh, has her own my shit. <laughs> my gosh. No, it's, it's so true. Right. And it's, you know, that's where, you know, you see that um, there's, 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 you know, I always say you can look in uh, bad situations and good situations uh, opposite, meaning you could look at a bad situation and see good stuff. You could also look at a, a good situation and see bad stuff. And it's funny. Cause I've, you know, friends that I've had, I didn't have much family growing up, obviously, but I have friends that had so much family and they say, Ryan, honestly, I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't have no family, but I'm saying that sometimes I think you had more clarity because you had lack of family. You didn't have all that bullshit happening. So, so some people are like, I, don't, I, 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 I think it could be a good thing in some ways because I've been dealing with all this shit from my family for years that has 
crippled me in in, in some respects, right? And uh, and it's interesting. It's true, right? How how you want to look at a situation is really is really uh, is really up to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it's fascinating too is that as human beings, we're the only mammals that like every mammal has a family until yeah. a certain age, and they just go. Yeah. And then yeah. they, live, they live their own life. Yeah. Um, as humans, that's the one thing we don't. Um, and yeah. We're really reliant on 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 and, it, and understandably so. I'm not you know just could be a debate both ways depending on who you speak to. So, um, so I'd mentioned that the, 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 you know, I go by the seven, two and the, and the, and the podcast is called the seven, two mindset investor, a hero's journey. So I like to ask my guests, you know, that moment where they were played a bad hand and they were forced to play that bad hand. And I'm going to push on you a bit because we're not going to talk about when you were 13 years old, when your mother passed away, which I'm, I'm so sorry for. Mm. I do want you to think outside though of another point in your life where you just got played that bad hand and you could have folded, but you said, fuck this motherfucker. I'm playing it. Oh man. Uh, yeah, no, I just, you know, that's, that's good. Cause I, 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 I gotta think I don't have an autopilot answer for that at all. I, I think there's, I think there's, it's, it's interesting. I, I I'll answer it this way. I think for me, there is always pinnacle ages, you know, 13, obviously being born 13, you know, another pinnacle age was, a pinnacle, pinnacle age for me was 24, you know, 23, 24. It wasn't a necessarily a bad hand. It was a hard hand. Cause for me, from the time I was 13 to 23, it was all about football and really kind of masking everything, you mm-hmm. know, but two years before 23, I was 21 years old and 21 years old. Um, I was dating, you know, crazy, having fun, um, never into drugs or anything like that. I always like to have my drinks, but not, you know, but just dating, having fun. Um, and, uh, and it's like everything from the death of my mom and that grievance came up at 21 mm-hmm. and the a girl I was dating at the time, she said to me, Ryan, man, you got, you got, you got to check. There's something, there's something crazy about you. Like you, you, you got this little thing that you're, you're just hiding. And it was almost like taking the carpet off, man. I was like taking the rug off of everything. Cause it was the one time when somebody actually looks at you and they look at you so deep that you can't even bullshit them. <laughs> Like you can't even talk your way out of it. You're like, well, this is getting worse. And you feel your body. It's like slowly shrinking, you know, and you're like, holy, I I can't, I can't, I can't come back from this. It was was one of those moments. And, um, I went and seen a psychologist and I said, I I don't know what's going on. Like I'm having, I get out of the shower. I'm sweating, Mm -hmm. just anxiety, almost like little mini panic attacks, you know? And I'm just like, where's this coming from? And, uh, and she said, you know, Ryan, uh, I, I basically went in like I think most people do and I try to self-diagnose myself like hey I, I got this issue I'm crazy I don't know what to do this is that I don't really believe in the psychology and shrink thing and I did the whole did the whole bit you know and sure. uh, she said well calm down and it was hilarious because I'll never forget the conversation I think she let me ramble for like an hour didn't even say a word just listening and then she just said you're okay um, you need to read this book um, you need to understand how your brain is bringing subconscious thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And, I, and she told me about the four horsemen theory where you had the critic, you had the antagonist. It was like the perfect story brand where you got the hero, you got the villain, you got the critic, you know, you got all those to make a great story. And she said, the issue with you, Ryan, is you're letting all this stuff seep into your subconscious and it's getting into your mind before you even recognize it happening. And you talk about the mindset. That was kind of my very first lesson in life about mindset and what mindset can really do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then I, it helped, but then I got to 23, 24 and I said, I don't know what I want to do. 
I want to, I want to open a business. Um, I had nothing. I think I was 22, 23. I had a credit score of 440. I think I'd let, I didn't understand, you know, don't, you know, you don't pay a bill and the bill sits on your credit forever. Um, just crazy shit, you know, yeah. just really just, just, just dumb, you know, dumb stuff that I didn't think of that. I'm like, wow, life is really not going to give me a hand up here. Sure. Um, and it was, a, it wasn't one thing, but it was a collection of a lot of small things. And, uh, and I sat there one day and it, it was just such a low point because I felt, what are you, what are you going to do with your life? Mm-hmm. Are you going to work for somebody and get a, you know, bullshit raise every year? Like you have so much inside yourself. It just, I just was lost. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt lost. And I started a company, you know, I started my first company and it was a, a online marketing and video production company. And I basically found this little niche, obviously being in Alberta, uh, the oil was doing very good at the time. And these oil companies started to really invest in their health and safety programs. So when they were inserting um, rigs into the ground, they were video documenting it so that if they, there was something called spill reports. And if your spill report percentage wasn't good, the government was not giving you any kind of permit to do this, which meant mega bucks for oil companies. So I was the guy that they would call at uh, 2 a.m. and say, when can you get to Fort McMurray? Like leave now. We need to do this at like 11 and uh, take a video camera up. And we start recording all these, all these things being inserted in. I grew the company. It did very well. And I did it for three years and I sold it at 27. And then at 27, I said, okay, cool. You, you know, you made a little bit of money now. That's great. What do you want to do though? Like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Took a job at a car dealership as a marketing and internet director. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it was so random. We became the first dealership ever to be featured alongside Barack Obama mm-hmm. in a Coca-Cola campaign. And that really set me up for a lot of media attention. Um, but it was that 23, 24 moment of feeling lost. And so what I did was, cause people listening to this, I think this is such a great question because I'm so empathetic to that feeling. Cause I can feel it now. I still can. I know what that feeling feels like. The first thing I did to switch out of that feeling though, as I said, I don't give a shit. If you don't have the blueprint, you need to fucking go do something. Absolutely. Like that was my first initial. I just remember that. Like, even if it's the wrong thing, like even if you're, you know, running up the wrong mountain, start mm-hmm. running. Mm-hmm. Because if you sit in that feeling too long, ooh, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. You got you got to get yourself out of that out of that hole. Uh and it is. It's really true. It's just that small, just a couple small wins. You know, Seth Godin talks about a lot, you know, the power of streaks. Yes. You know, creating those small wins, you know, just just how have consistent days, you know, streaking, you know, and, and it's amazing how you start to feel that that hole come off. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, it, that was a it just felt like the, the deck was against me, man. Sure. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And I love what you said about Seth Godin. And, you know, there's this uh, hop theory, right? And I think it was in the slight edge um, or it was a compound effect. But you got these. What happens, we, we just want to get these little small wins. I think what happens in life, we have these large gaps and we try to jump from them to them to them. Yes. And, and that's then that's where we get stuck because now if we go back to the small, the small wins, but what happens, it's human nature, we may get a little too confident and we start taking these larger of hops. Of course. And so I tell people that when I'm mentoring them, is that you're in a you're in a dip right now. Seth Godin talks about the dip. You're in a dip. What yep. we need to do is we need to get back to winning. So just small micro hops. If that means not breaking a commitment to yourself in the morning by not hitting the snooze button, yeah. Um, by going for a quick walk to the mailbox, 
just check off the box, get back on the, in the winning mindset. Yep. Is what we have to do. Because the, the mind is designed to work against us. Our bodies are energy <laughs> sources to yep. conserve energy. Yep. So the body's going to do whatever it takes to conserve energy. Yet we have so much untapped potential. Yeah, it, it, it's true. You know, this is uh, this wall behind me that I use for my podcast and my studio. Is, it's called my I am enough wall. It's the wall mm-hmm. I come and look at that's consistently. If I ever have a day where I don't feel confident or something's going on, you know, I got everything from the, my son's first shoe that I got him when he was born to, you know, picture of my mom that when she was a little girl to, you know, a couple things that just they just always put me back in the right mindset. You know, I think having those subliminal things around you that consistently are just these reminders, because, you know, it's interesting. I think I think um, I think people know they're going to be really successful or they are really successful. And I think they know it by how much they care. And I think you really start to know what kind of success you're going to have in life when you do start knocking off some major goals and the first thing you do after is you really give thanks. And then you just ask yourself, like, how can I be better? Mm-hmm. I think it's the ones that are egomaniacs that are like, you know, I'm killing it, man. I'm flexing. This is crazy. Oh, my God. You know, I'm just like, well, that, that person's going to be short lived. Like yeah. most times it is, you know, because they're but it's the, the, the people that just they're consistently checking in with themselves. Um, and I love the people that are just I love when I talk to somebody who's so emotionally available. Man, I love that. I love talking to people who are, they're in tune with their emotion. They have no problem talking about how they feel, why they feel it. And I love when somebody's talking to me, like they really don't give a shit what I think of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can yeah. always feel it. Sure. And it's, I don't know, there's such an appealing feeling about it. Like, they're like, I'm not trying to impress you. You're mm-hmm. not trying to impress me. We're just mm-hmm. talking, having yeah. a conversation. Um, but it goes back to the, you're right, the dip. And Robin Sharma, which I'm sure you've heard of, you know, I really love his work and, you know, the 5 a.m. club. I, I agree with what he says because he says, you know, the way you start your day, it's it's it is it's indicative of your life because, you know, your 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 life is days in miniature is what he said. And it's true. So you start up and you get a little sweaty exercise and get something going. I don't care if you have nothing, but if you start your day and you do a little workout and you get going, you're you got an edge on your day. There's sure. people literally rolling out of their bed groggy, just yeah. like. You know, and you've already been like, yo, I'm ready to go. I'm showered, had a little workout and I'm ready for my day. I just, it puts you in such a great mindset to deal with any kind of problem that's going to come to you that day. Like you approach that thing so differently. Um, I see to myself, I don't approach problems as problems. They're opportunities. A problem is, is in my opinion, a problem is a solution hidden as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I Bradley, I'd have the bomb just go off here. <laughs> yeah, a, pro- a problem is, a, yeah, a problem is a solution hidden as an opportunity. And I don't think I've really quite said it that way because that's how I've always viewed it, where I said, okay, somebody's coming to you with a problem. Well, how are you going to react? Well, if you react negatively, the problem's probably going to become a, a, a worse problem. Now, people listening, full disclosure, I've reacted like an idiot a lot of times and I've created a small problem. And it's gotten bigger just because of the, my, my shitty attitude towards the problem initially. Mm-hmm. Cause what I, what I did was I didn't listen to what the person was actually saying. I took it as, I took it as a, like a hit against me. Mm-hmm. That's just an immature way of thinking about things. That's okay. I think we're all allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. I gave myself permission. I, I I'm okay with that now. But when somebody comes to me with a problem, the first thing I literally do, even if I know sometimes I'm like, this is just somebody complaining or this is not mine. I don't even do that anymore. I'm like, just listen. 
-hmm. try to unpack this problem. Sure. And sometimes I find when we do that, you're like, oh, so what the problem that they came to you for, that's not the actual problem. It's like sales, right? When you, when you ask the right questions and you shut your mouth, you start to really realize what somebody's problem is. And then mm -hmm. if your service, AKA solution matches up, well, you're probably might going to get a sale, but I always say in sales, whoever's talking the most in the conversation is going to lose. Bingo. Right. Absolutely. That's my, in my, in the book I wrote, that was my first tip for, for a, a mindset hack for sales. Shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and listen and smile, you know, and just, you know, but know when, know when to kind of guide them. Cause I think people want to be, get, it's like interviewing too, right. As you know, I, 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 and I'll say, it, I pride myself on, I'm a very good interviewer. And I know when to push in. I know when to pull back. I know when somebody's getting rambly and they know, they know they're getting rambly and they want me to give them the life jacket, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and just to help them understand that. But no, I, I, I think that is, uh, that is the, the, the key is that your life is days in miniature. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's really weird. Like I was talking to my wife the other day about this. I'm like, babe, it's Groundhog Day. Like every day. You're going to get a 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to like, it's just repeated. Mm -hmm. So then, I, and she says, well, yeah. And I said, but no, no, no. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like, say this out loud. Say it 10 times and tell me you don't start feeling crazy. Mm -hmm. Monday, Wednesday. So she started doing it. She's like, yeah, it's really weird. I'm mm -hmm. like, our, li our life is 24 hours and seven days. Yeah. Absolutely. So what we, what we do with it, and that's why I tell people, and I love the fact that you said it. Don't take these big leaps and bounds. Like, don't make it complicated. 24 hours and seven days. If you can master the 24 hours and seven days, your life is going to be great. Absolutely. Period. Period. Absolutely. For sure. In <laughs> fact, you know, I, usually what I do when I'm doing some mentor calls, I do what's called the ribbon exercise. Mm. And the whole thing about the ribbon exercise is more of the fundamental symbolic view of the only thing that is finite for us is time. Everything mm. else is abundant. Mm. We don't have time. Mm. So what mm. we need to do is we can only create time. True. So how one, when they start loving themselves is when they respect their own time. Mm. If you don't mm. respect your own time and you're a yes person all the time, that means you don't love yourself. The moment you start saying no to things is when you are putting yourself first. See, and that's so interesting how you say that too, because I've always said no, uh, like a lot. It's, it's interesting. Like I, you know how somebody says there's really good conversations out there and people talk like, um, it's an example. Somebody will say, okay, it's like somebody having like a natural talent. Mm -hmm. They can just draw or they could just, they naturally are an athletic. Like you put them in a gym, they, they could go into gym after six months and they're, like, they're probably going to do a good workout. They just have this. I believe everybody has a couple hidden talents that just, of course you got to work and, and, and refine it, but you just, you're just good at it. Like there's people that are so fucking good with numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm like, where'd you get that from? They're like, I didn't even graduate high school, Ryan. I just fucking, yeah. have, I've known numbers my whole life. I just, I'm just good at it. Yeah. Um, but they, they will say things like this to you. Oh, I, 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 I mean, I've always just been good at numbers. Like, I don't understand why this is a, a, a big thing, man. Like, what's the big thing? And you're like, dude, like you're talking about one of your superpowers as though it's just like nothing. Mm -hmm. Like people do this a lot. They shortchange themselves. And I'm like, do you know how many people would love to be good at X and you just kind of have that and you're sitting on it, mm -hmm. almost like devaluing it. And what a lot of people I find do is they don't just devalue it. They, they'll do things like, 
oh, you know, I don't want I don't want to seem arrogant or right now. Like, ah, whatever, you know, I'm like, no, 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 no. Step into your greatness, man. Like, go get it. Like, don't don't. And, and I'm sorry if you're good at something. I don't care. You if you can show it and you can back it up, say it. Yeah. I love people that say I'm fucking really good at this because a lot of those people will also tell you I'm fucking terrible at this. Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't. And that's where I know I'm, I'm like, you're not saying it from an arrogant place. You are good at it. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with saying that? Yeah. Because people, if they hear you say it, they're going to say, OK, well, this guy really thinks or this girl really thinks. But if you actually back that shit up or oh, you're going to become the expert really quick because they're like, oh, you, this guy really is good. So there's a guy that I had on my show. You, I'm sure you heard Dragon's Den. So Wes Hall yeah. is the first black dragon that's going to be launching in September. So he came on the show and uh, and Wes Hall is known as the king of Bay Street in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I said, how does this guy come from a little tin shack in Jamaica? And he's built a, just a thing. So he says to me, Ryan, I said, what's the first thing you look for in a pitch, Wes? He's like, I want my investors. I want, sorry, I want my, 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 my company owners, my people who I potentially might invest in. I want them to come with me, come to me with bravado. He says, I don't want somebody saying I'm kind of good. He says, if I say, you know, could you do 30 this year? He says, I want the person to say, I can fucking do 35. Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't look at it as arrogance. I look at it as somebody who's so sold in their convictions he said, because I'm not investing primarily in the business. I'm investing in a bad motherfucker. Absolutely. And I need to know this bad motherfucker is going to take my money and uh, and do some bad motherfucking shit with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so what he said was, he says, Ryan, do you know what I do for a living? I said, Wes, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think a lot of people really understand what you do at Kingsdale Advisors. I, I still don't get it. He says, let's say you have a public company and, and your shareholders want to kick you out as a CEO. He's like, I'm the guy that steps in and tells them to get the fuck out. He's like, I'm known as the fixer. Woo! Man, I love it. I love when somebody says, yo, bro, I'm known as this. I love when a doctor says, yo, dude, you want good lips? You want your ass changed? I'm the motherfucker that does that shit. You come to me for this. And that's why, you know, and I'm not, I don't mean to ramble here, but here's what I, here's what I've really adjusted to over the last little while is, you know this. If I ask you, should I pick a niche or should I go wide? I've always struggled with picking a niche because I've always been very wide. But there's something so sexy about somebody saying, I'm really fucking known for this. Bingo. Absolutely. Seth Godin says it best. And, and this is my mantra in our business. You can mm. either be the best or be the only person doing it. That's it. Be That's first it. or be different, like kind of thing, you know, be first yeah. or be different. Right. It's 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 kind of that thing. So I, I you know, I just yeah, I just think of a lot of these things and I think they're 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 evolutionary. I think they're they're constantly changing it. I think there's I think COVID, you know, and people laugh when I say it, but I think COVID's done a lot of good for the world. I don't like to see people dying or, or, or you know, being in financial distress at all, but it's it's allowed people to really take an inventory on themselves. You know, and really ask themselves, hey, do I want, is this what I really want to do for my career or this and that? When somebody says to me or they come to me after 10 years and they say, you know, Ryan, I'm changing careers and it's completely opposite. And I feel quite embarrassed because I got to go tell my family and my friends that, you know, I'm changing careers. You know, I understand because I'm empathetic, like why they could feel that. But then I, I always ask and I'm like, you have every right to change. You have every right to choose a new path, mm-hmm. you know. 
I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything uh, embarrassing about that. Cause I, I say in my place in Fairmont, BC, I live in a retirement community. So I get to see every single day and you talk about proximity and putting yourself in places. I love living in a retirement community. You want to know why? I'm consistently witnessing people's fourth quarters of their life. Mm-hmm. There's two kinds of characters I've came up with by cutting my grass every day and looking at my neighbors who, you know, maybe a retired orthodontist or owned a business or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Two kinds of characters. There's nothing in between. They're either really fucking happy and chill and just like, yo, everything's cool or they're bitter as fuck. Yep. So what's the question we ask? Well, why is that person so damn happy and relaxed and feeling good? And the other person's bitter. They both got money. What's the difference? That person that says, yo, man, I've been doing this for 10 years. I don't enjoy it, but it makes such good money. I'm going to keep doing it. Or in my opinion, person that says, listen, I make a lot of money doing this, but this is not my calling in life. Like this is not feeding my soul. There's Mm -hmm. social currency, money currency, vibe currency, brand currency, love currency. We're living in a world full of multiple currencies. Uh, you know, Tony Robbins says it best, and which is, you know, um, I'm gonna have to paraphrase it because I don't have the uh, exact quote, but it goes, "That's okay." It's um, success without fulfillment is failure. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's how I look at it too. Like, I mean, someone asked me this question, and it just resonated with me, and I haven't forgotten it. I'm gonna ask you this question, mm. which is, we're in, we're in, we're in the city, wherever you're located, is the greatest untapped potential of wealth. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to go with the Fairmont here, but in Edmonton, oh, if I was living in Edmonton, where's the greatest untapped potential full of wealth? Oh, I'm always going to go into the, to the poorest areas or the most rundown areas, in my opinion, untapped, because I look at people who are, have been devastated and are down. And this is my perspective. When you have been beaten into the ground and you've been given zero opportunities and you feel like shit in life, if you can untap it, there's a beast inside you that will come back so fucking hard and is able to withstand so much shit that half the people can't do. Mm-hmm. And I give this analogy because I, I have both. I have, I have a beautiful pit bull and people think, oh, pit bulls are rough and tough. Uma's beautiful. She's a rescue. I love animals. So I volunteer for rescue shelter. Separate topic. But and then there's a poodle. But if I put my Uma and she gets upset with Caesar, who's a poodle. Uma's going to destroy the poodle. Mm-hmm. Like, even if the poodle gets so upset, the, 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 I don't think the poodle's going to win. Mm-hmm. So when you take this pit bull ferociousness inside of you, who's felt, you know, just completely slam-based by life, you know, you just, you, you've been given no opportunities. Everything doesn't go your way. You've, you've, you've felt trauma, pain, sadness. Most great shit comes from trauma like when we study the greats it's it's coming from pain sure. you want to motivate somebody pain yeah, absolutely and that's why that's why we renamed the podcast the hero's journey because there's a pivotal point in our lives oh. and, and and so so exactly what you were saying about untapped potential and that's what i was thinking was like you know people that had the resilience the mindset and the answer that came back to me and everybody's gonna have their own their own opinion but the answer came back to me. It's a cemetery. Oh, yeah. How, how oh, many people did not oh, tap oh, six oh, feet oh, under, right? 
that's a good one. Oh my goodness. I'm going to give you your props for that one, man. Whoa, that's so, that's deep. That's yeah. deep. Yeah, no, that's deep. Wow. Yeah. So I have a comment on that. That's, that's prophetic. No, so, that's, that's true. And what I do now is when I'm, when I'm driving by a cemetery, I, I go into, I turn down, I turn off a podcast I'm listening to or anything I'm listening to. Let me rewind on that comment for a sec. The cemetery. Yeah, Here's the question you asked. You said untapped potential. Where's the area in your city that has the most untapped potential? Here's what I, here's why I think that's even deeper in a cemetery. You're not untapped. You're tapped out. You're tapped out. You don't bro. You don't even get the chance to be tapped back in. Yeah. You know how devastating that is. Bingo. Yeah, absolutely. That's like untapped. Isn't even the right word. Tapped out. You, you don't like even that. have a chance to get tapped back in. Mm -hmm. They had their chance. They lost it. Right. Yep. Like mic drop the end, like the end, like it's crazy. No, no. Cause I'm like, no, like that's, that's in your soul now, man. Like that's going into wherever, whatever you believe in. Sure. Oh, you know, like that just gives me the EBGBs. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I had to go back there. No, that's that, no, that's I'm, I'm happy that you found that to be so profound. Cause when I heard that, I actually just had to go in deep thought after that. Like, and, and so I was saying now I drive by a cemetery now and I, I out of respect, you know, giving the respect and that kind of stuff. But it, I, I actually have some sadness inside of me, which is the tapped out potential. As you said, tapped out, I was saying untapped potential just lies there. Well, I'm going to give you something that's really odd. So when I go to different cities or my wife and I always jokes, cause she's like, why in every city you go to, and I mean, this could be like across the ocean, man, like in different places. Why do you want to go see the roughest impoverished area? I, it's oh, something I always do to almost a, a, to almost a devastation where I'm like, yo, one day you're going to literally get in your, yourself in trouble, man. Like you're in the wrong area. And I, she asked me, Ryan, why do you always do this? And, it, you know, think about that. Why would a human being, when they travel to cities, so you go to LA, you don't want to see Beverly Hills. You want to go to like one of the crazy areas, Chicago. I don't want to go see where Oprah lives. I want to go see the South side. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you know why? So I asked my, it's a great question. Why do you always want to see the worst of the worst? How bad it can get? Cause for me, that's what I live to a degree. I, you know, Canada doesn't really have any ghettos like South side, but for me, my life was so so impoverished and so bad. It, like after my, my mom and even with her, except for love, that was always there, but it's just something that it just feels connecting for me. Sure. And so when you bring up cemeteries, you know, I, the other thing I will do is uh, I go to Seattle, for example, I went and seen where Bruce Lee's buried. If you ever go to Seattle, go see where Bruce Lee's buried. I will always go to cemeteries and find out where super, super wealthy uh, people are buried or world leaders or impactful people. And I'll you can find their gravesite. And what's amazing is some of them, I mean, it's crazy. Because if you actually stood in front of it, you're like, there is so-and-so. I don't know them. God bless them. There's so-and-so. They're in the middle with everybody else. Yes. So then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So... I'm like, Ryan, count the row of headstones, headstones. One, two, three, two. I'm like, if you didn't know, they're just there with everybody else. Mm -hmm. This is what's fucking crazy. Yep. So I'm like, what did this person do differently in their seven days and 24 hours that everybody else here didn't? 
Dude, wow. that's prophetic, man. That's massive. Think yeah. about it. And they and, and it's funny because I just I know that person's chilling out. They're just like, yo, I did my thing. What's up, everybody? <laughs> What's up? What's up? Cool. Yeah. I'm good. There's a certain and, and you know what I honestly I feel over top of it? Peace. Hmm. Nah, Damn. Not- Think yeah. about that again. That's a yeah. sobering thought, man. Absolutely. I'm just after this, I'm gonna go for a walk and just <laughs> very deep, man. So if somebody says, Hey Ryan, what are you working for? I'm working for peace. Because when I know, and, and I hope to God I'm blessed with this, I want to reach full capacity on Ryan Olds. Mm-hmm. I'm nowhere near close there. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm hope, and it takes a lot of work. But I want that peace. I want to be like, yo, everybody. Like, and, I, and I hate talking. Love, I love living. You know, and, and I don't want to ever leave my kids or anything. But we, we do all over death. Yes. But, you know, I want to be like, yo. I want to whisper my kid. I want my kids. Like I do my pocket. I want my kids to be like, my dad was a bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know, this motherfucker didn't do- I want that. Like, I, you know, not like, man, I see my dad. Cause here's Ed Milet has this little quick little video. He does. I, I guys, I should try to send it to you too. He's on stage. God, just imagine. Do you have kids by the way? Sorry, man. I, I do. Yeah. I okay, do. How many, how many kids, how many kids? I got, do you four, have? I got four kids. Holy shit. Okay. Well, your father, man, this is connected on this. Okay. Um, just imagine. So Ed, my light comes on the stage. He's walking across the stage. He says, listen, if this, what, what, what's next to come out of my mouth, if this doesn't sober you up, nothing will. Do you know that your kids see when mommy and daddy aren't chasing after their dreams? Do you know that at a certain point, your kids realize when they start going to school, doing all these things, there's levels to the game. Yep. And he starts saying in a way, he says, do you know kids see when their parents don't respect themselves? Mm-hmm. They see it. They feel it. Mm-hmm. So when your kids look at you, what do you want them to see? Hell, even if you say, even if you can't get enough gusto to get yourself to feel good about yourself, what the fuck do your kids see? They see everything. Damn. Damn. So, so my son says, Hey dad, you're working, you're working. I love it. He comes to us all day. Mom and dad, you work so hard for us. He sounds like he's like immigrated over from a different country. He was born here, but he's like, mom and dad, you work so hard for us. He's only four and a half, man. So I don't think kids like, so to me, that's an indicator. I look at my kids now sometimes as indicators Hmm. because he'll say, right, daddy, why are you you working so hard? I said, you know what I say? Closed my office door. I said, daddy loves you. Daddy's got to go get after his dreams too. That's amazing. Because to me, what I'm teaching him, showing him that your dreams are important. So when we go, when we go to bed and, and we do our little family mantra, I say, listen, what's the two rules? What's the two rules, Dejan? We don't bully people and we don't get bullied. Right? Because mm-hmm. this is this is this to me is just it's huge for me. But you bring up the yeah. gravestone and all that. I'm like, no, that's uh, that's huge, man. That's that's big. Yeah. That's that's very. Yeah, that's that's a great question, though. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Ooh. and I know, I, I know we're coming up on time here. So I got <laughs> two, two more quick questions, man. Sure, sure. Um, so it's, speaking of cemeteries and yep. uh, one of the other staple questions I asked on my podcast is the day we meet the maker, we're not going to decide it's going to be written on our tombstone. Someone else will. What was someone write on your tombstone? <sighs> here's what's well, before that, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to say, hey, whatever God you believe in, you're going to say, hey, come over here for a second. You're at the gates, whatever the gates are for you. Come mm-hmm. over here for a second. I want to play you. 
I want to play you a nice piece of fire content. You ready? Play the DVD player, motherfucker. Okay. This is, I'm going to show you two clips here today, Ryan. Okay. What do you mean? I'm going to show you the clip that I visioned for you and the clip that you actually executed on your seven oh, days, love 24 this. hours, clip one, clip two. Here's the kicker. I'm going to show you the clip that I envisioned for you first. Mm -hmm. Now shit gets really serious and quiet. Clip starts playing two reactions. You just start crying because you fucked up your whole life. Mm -hmm. Or you might just sit back and be like, I'm a bad motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, hey, or she, hey, look at that clip. What do you? And then the question comes back. And here's what I think happens. This is what I think. This is sobering for me. He says, based on your answer is how you're going to live your next eternity. Don't bullshit me. Mm -hmm. What do you think about your performance? Did you give me your best? Mm -hmm. Man, that's, um, there was a quote, I, and it could have been from Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I can't remember. And there's a comment that's made is that hell is when you see yourself and you're simply in the shadow of what you should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you heard Tim's story say it. You're born an original. Don't die a copy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Your best setback is ready for the comeback. I mean, I could do yeah. Tim's story quotes all day long. Right. Yeah. Get yourself no? back. Yeah. Right. And what does he say? He says, hey, work your land. Yeah. Work your land. Plant your seeds. Water it. You know, yeah. get the soil going. Boom, 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 boom. You know, the mindset is everything, man. It's it's truly yeah, everything. It's the bamboo, right? They say you don't see nothing for five years and all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. The, holy shit. I got 30 feet of growth here and overnight, right? So what, what was your original question? Sorry, I don't know if I answered it. What was the original one again? Will it be written on your tombstone. Oh, gosh. Ah, man. You know, for me, though, it, everything always comes back to just being a great, great dad. I mean, for me, being a dad for me is, is so... Uh, important. I didn't have a dad. I mean, I just, I just, that parenting that, mm -hmm. you know, personal for me is everything, you know, I don't, um, the professional, as much as it motivates me, it doesn't motivate me half as much as raising two incredible humans that are going to go out into the world and do massive things, you know, in their own terms. But I think it's just going to say something along the lines of uh, father first, husband first, and then just a complete bad motherfucker in every other area of life. Love that. Period. Man. And all I want, and I, and I want it simple, you know, I want it simple, just, uh, just a simple, simple thing, you know, and just, I don't think if your work, if your work is great, you don't need to talk a lot of shit. I agree. I think I the agree. work is going to speak for itself. And then I'm just going to say, go subscribe to the Rhino show podcast. There's like a million episodes. <laughs> You really want to you, you really want to hear me? Go 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 listen to me, man. I love that, man. I, I you know actually... what, now that I think about it though, scrap the first answer I gave you. Maybe that'd be a, if I ever walk by a tombstone and says, just make sure you subscribe to my shit. The guy'd be like, what a bad motherfucker. Absolutely, man. Just put your QRS on there and you can simply scan it. Like, a QR code. Like, you know, this guy was a business person, right? You're like, yo, this guy was promoting to the end. As long as you get your email address, right? <laughs> Text the word bad motherfucker to 780. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what's the best way for people to find you, find your podcast? 
Oh, yeah, no, just uh, Reinholds.ca on the website, at Reinholds1 on all the social platforms. Um, and just Google, you know, Reinholds Show Podcast is available anywhere, YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Um, and and you know what? Enjoy it. I, 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 I literally have a great relationship with a lot of listeners. I'm very interactive. I like people who reach out for questions. If anybody's looking for, for branding, they can um, reach out to me, info at reinholds.ca, book an eight-minute brand jam, and we just talk about your brand, your business's brand, and we go from there and see what happens. But um, for me, it's um, my show, two things. You know, my business is, is simple to explain. I'm in the marketing. I'm, I'm basically helping you um, impact your past, present, and future clients, customers in a way, and my show is there to substantiate why you should always live your full self on purpose. And I'm bringing on some of the best people in the world uh, to, to uncover the truth about why you need to live your best life, period. Mm-hmm. Ryan, this has just been absolutely phenomenal. Like I knew this was going to be good, but <laughs> this just was fucking incredible. <laughs> um, that's, the, that's the way it's got to be, man. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be pure fire. Real talk, man. That's it. That's I coined myself as real talk, man. And it doesn't get realer than this, man. So, you know, from the bottom of my heart, from my listeners, subscribers, everybody, and future, past, present, future. Just want to say thank you on behalf of everybody. So, And remember, curiosity should always be your motherfucking mandate. Because once you start asking the questions, questions lead to answers. Answers lead to some good shit. Amazing. Man, I want to say thank you so much for bringing it today. All right, man. Take care. Ciao. Have a good take weekend. Care, you too, All man. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>